0: The Disgraceful Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians, past, present and future of the Awabakal land which we record our podcast on. This podcast may
1: contain triggering content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah
0: and I'm Georgie and you're listening to The Disgraceful Podcast. This week we're joined again by Holly Harris.
1: We'll be doing a part two to her story and let's get into it. Yeah,
0: let's get into it.
1: So was there anything else you kind of wanted to talk about with giving a statement? You kind of discussed like that it was really hard and that they were nice and things but you felt like no one ever prepares you kind of for how difficult it would be?
2: Yeah, yeah, um exactly that. And I think because the process is so um in depth like in detail they go through everything with a fine tooth comb. Um and the sort of the way that they ask questions unintentionally sort of made me feel like I'd done something wrong like how many drinks had you had? Um do you remember this? Do you remember that? And I just felt like I wasn't like giving good enough answers and also um it was probably coming from like myself as well but I was feeling a little bit of shame about like how many drinks I'd had, stuff like that so and I, I think um that just comes with like the process it's sort of like going into a room with adults and telling them about all the dumb stuff that you've done as like a 19 year old um even though like I didn't do anything abnormal or even wrong. slightly like yeah wrong. It's just like it's like yeah I was binge drinking sorry like you know like it's kind of Mm. like there's no pretty way to put it but that's sort of what it
1: was um was there anything like else in regards to the lead up to court so because I know you were still at this point kind of sitting on the fence about whether you Mm. actually wanted to go through with a trial like what ended up pushing you towards going that way was it just the momentum or what was happening
2: yeah, so um, actually the way it sort of happened, so I went to police six to eight weeks after um, the incident with my mum's support and sort of like encouragement um, and I still didn't really think that I wanted to go ahead with with pressing charges, but the police officer said to me, she's like, even if we just get all the evidence and then you can change your mind or if he ever does it to anybody else, then you can... Um, then we can use your evidence to support it, like a case against him, which was sort of like it all like that was a bit of a weird thing to think that like, if he ever does it to someone else. But yeah, so so yeah, obviously we went through all the processes, like everything I was involved with, and um my friends and family were involved with this by giving statements and the pretext phone call that I spoke about earlier. Um and then it got to the stage where the detectives, police officers wanted to go um, and bring him in for questioning. So what I was told was they they turned up at his house one day um, and he wasn't home. His his mum was home. The detectives turned up at his house and he wasn't home. His mum or parent was home, um, which obviously put him on notice that there was an investigation about what had happened. Um, And they basically said he needs to come in the questioning um and obviously he lawyered up so he's, he's gotten legal advice um and gave subsequently gave a no comment interview so to every question he um answered to mm-hmm. no comment um which I mean yeah if you didn't have anything to hide you probably wouldn't give a no comment interview but <laughs> I mean yeah. you, you know, it's a bit speculative but yeah um so that happened and it's yeah, again in a comment interview, and it sort of got to the point where they were like, okay, well, we've still got like plenty here, so we want to go ahead and like start the pressing charges. And I was like, look, like I've just like it's it's enough. Like I sort of hoped that it would have scared the shit out of him. To be honest, like I was like, yeah, maybe that's a lesson like enough that his his parents know now when like he he had to go into a police station and like do that like surely that would have taught him something um so i withdrew my complaint i guess something called a statement of no complaint um and then just yeah six months went on so throughout those six months this is like january to about june july of 2019 um yeah there was no real it was apparent that his remorse was genuine um he just would um turn up at events that I, he knew I was going to be at, um, there was no consideration, like, he was never asking one of my friends, like, what do you, would Holly be okay with this or is Holly going to be there? It was sort of just he'd appear and, like, um, I mean, it was really intimidating and unsettling and upsetting to have this guy just, like, around with no, like, he just did not give a shit, like, and he obviously was, like, like, I don't know, like, he Just didn't think that he should have to miss out on anything because of what he'd done, or he didn't li- like, he literally didn't even do the bare minimum. He didn't even say, Ask somebody else if I'd be okay or if I was going to be there. He just did what he wanted to do. Yeah, there um, was no without any, consideration. Like, without yeah. yeah, like, and yeah, like, um, almost, almost
1: like. like- he doesn't understand the impact or even if he does he doesn't give a shit about it is that that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting yeah,
2: exactly. and it was quite
1: crazy to be honest
2: like he would have known that i withdrew the with like, complaint not that the police didn't have enough evidence and it's pretty bold of him to be like oh i don't care i'm still going to go out like he knew that i could have restarted i assume like he knew that i could have restarting the investigation at any stage, mm. but he still didn't care and still kept um, trying to like, come to it. It was like he was, day.
1: it was almost like he maybe, like not that he was doing it on purpose, yeah. but it was like he was negging you, like, it
0: like do
1: it. Like, come on, like, but like, yeah. you would think, yeah. if yeah, like you said, if you had any remorse, you'd think, you know, I've had, you know, if it had actually scared the shit out of him rather than made him think he's Superman, um, mm. he would have friggin been kind mm. and thought I'm lucky yeah. she re- withdrew the complaint because you know that that was a close call
2: but yeah, yeah. wow that's yeah and that's- I mean, it gets yeah it literally it gets worse like I I already decided at six months later I, I decided that it wasn't there was no remorse and the remorse was sort of what made me not want to press charges because I, I thought that like it was punishment enough that he felt bad and like there was remorse there. I'm not like a vindictive person mm-hmm. and I didn't want him to go to jail or suffer because of what he'd done to me, even though I was suffering immensely. I just like, I, I, I wanted like to give him the chance to be decent and make amends and he just didn't do anything of the sort. So mm-hmm. I decided to press, that go back and press charges.
1: And like before to our previous conversation, was it also, and again, I'm speculating, so completely shoot me down if I'm misunderstanding. <laughs> is it almost as well for you still in that stage of like, I've done all this, but like, you know, going through the court system is not only scary, but yet again reaffirms how serious what he has done is, or was it more, Were you? was it more the remorse you were thinking about? Like,
2: yeah it, look it's both it's both it was half like at that point in time i didn't want to deal with it and admit what had happened mm. and also he was remorseful so it was literally, yeah it was, they pretty evenly split between the two like mm. not wanting to deal with it the fact that he was remorseful and i think like as time went on i realized that ignoring it wasn't helping and that he wasn't helping the situation either mm. and he didn't know it took it took that It took actually a really long time, so I re-reported it to police in June or July of 2019, and Mm -hmm. he didn't get officially formally charged and wouldn't have been aware that the investigation was reopened until, um, like, March, April of 2020, and there was actually a time um, in January of 2020 when... A group of friends were going away for a couple of nights away. Um, it happened to be my birthday at the same time, but that's not why we were going away. Um, and he had a guy, one of a mutual friend, message him and say, "Look, like Holly's coming, zip this one out." And he got upset and he said, "This is not right. I shouldn't have to not see my friends because of her." Um, but literally said, "This is just not right." And he doesn't know that I saw those messages. Um. Uh, yeah, he, he has no idea I've seen those messages, and know that like not only is he not remorseful, but that like, he thinks that he's been wronged.
1: Yeah, and,
2: like, it's just so bizarre to me that like he thinks it would have been at all appropriate for us to be sleeping in the same house after what he'd done. Yeah, so he got it was twenty twenty, like I want to say March or April, he got um formally charged with rape and aggravated burglary. Um, and I'm not sure about. The, how the charges work out, I, I understand they're different everywhere in Australia, but, like, it, it, like, I don't know, New South Wales has some bullshit name for what rape is. They don't, they don't actually
1: call it rape, but we actually, like, it's rape, yeah. That's what it's, yeah, we... we um, no, no, yeah. that's correct. We, in uh, New South Wales, it's sexual assault and then there's different yeah. types. Yeah. Sexual harassment, sexual assault, they've removed rape, yeah. yeah I didn't realise any true. states still had um rape as a term. No, yeah, it's... Right. That's what he was charged with. But yeah, I mean course the space so Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no. I, yeah. Just, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, continue, sorry. Yeah.
2: yeah, so and then aggravated burglary. And um that even as a law student, that surprised me um when I had that charge sort of when I was told that he was charged with that. Both of these charges each hold their own twenty five year maximum imprisonment term. So I mean that's it's rare that somebody would get that, but like they're both considered the second most serious yes. of offences in terms of Victorian law because it's twenty five and that's life. So
1: and, if can I, I ask, um, aggravated burglary? Because I know everyone you know knows what rape is. I'm assuming mm-hmm. I don't think I need to define that. But um, in um Victoria, it, what's that? Is that that what makes it aggravated? Is it the fact that you yeah. came with the intention to
2: rape? No, so what aggravates it, it's interesting. I'll start off. Burglary is entering a property mm-hmm. without permission with the intention to commit a crime at the time yes. that they entered the property. Mm. What makes it aggravated would be either if they knew or were reckless to the knowledge that somebody was in the house or they'd carried a weapon. So it was aggravated because he knew that I was in the house. Um, However, it was actually the more difficult charge to to prove because they had to prove his intention at the time he entered the property was to rape me. Um, and when you, like, that's difficult because the charge of rape itself has, um, it, it's either the defendant knew that the victim or complainant wasn't consenting or was reckless to the knowledge that they weren't consenting. And he was never going to get the new. It would have been reckless. Yeah. Um, and like the, the, the recklessness is where the jury's supposed to look at the surrounding circumstances and say, well, his his um, sorry reasonableness, his um perception of consent was unreasonable given X, Y, Z. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So he, it, yeah, aggravated Burgery was going to be the hard one to prove because it had and, to, he had to form the intent as he entered the house.
1: And yeah, you had to improve the intent of the um rape. Yeah, yeah, wow. That's that's really interesting. And yeah. um, and thank you for explaining that for yeah, everyone. You. I think that's gonna be helpful yeah. for a lot yeah, of well,
2: um, non-law listeners. Yeah, um, even as a law student, like you don't really hear it that many once very often. Um and I think as well, a lot of people have said to me, What about the like what about the fact that you are in? Like, surely they get into that. But unfortunately in Victoria, that's a, it's it's trespass and its maximum imprisonment sentence is six months and it's an indictable offence, not a summary offence. So it's not very serious. You actually can't have jury trials for summary offences. So yes, like on paper, it's very likely that he would have been found guilty of trespass, but they can't have a jury trial for that. So like, yeah, he trespassed in my house, but like it's not serious enough, so...
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's really interesting, and like, it makes all the sense. Because my next question was like, do you know why they didn't go for a lesser charge? But you've just explained yeah. that perfectly. Why don't we kind of talk about the actual experience in court? What was that like? Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Um. Do you guys have committal hearings in New South Wales? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or not? yeah. 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 We do. So. Yeah, so Victoria and a couple other states in Australia have something called a committal hearing process, um, which is where the evidence is tested in a lower court. In our instance, it's the magistrates' court. Um there's, there's no jury, but every witness was called in and, and cross-examined um just to sort of see if there's sufficient evidence yeah. excuse me, for it to proceed to trial. So the committal hearing happened in February of 2021. Um so I had like his lawyer because examined me for half a day, um which was like not fun but not terrible um like a, yeah, it was all right. like it was just gross to talk about it in depth a lot. um so that happened. obviously the magistrate has said that there's sufficient evidence for a trial. and um after like a long time kind of work back and forth trying to get the date, the trial was set for the 22nd of August 2022. Um, there was some delay because the judge was sick. So there was three days where I was sort of like up and ready in the morning to go into court and give evidence Um, and uh, like told that the judge was sick and I couldn't go in. Until finally on the third day, the judge said, I'm not going to be well at all this week. Um, Let's reschedule for next week. So there was like a very (laughs) extended nervous period, which I understand is quite common, unfortunately, in the court system. But yeah, to be ready to go like three days in a row, that was already like pretty awful. Mm. Um. So yeah, the trial started, and I gave something called evidence in chief, which is where you will see on the tape like the TV. It's the prosecution, so the good lawyer, <laughs> the lawyer on my side, that gets up and sort of like to sort of talk me through the night, and you get to talk through everything in detail. Um. And that's not a fun process because you you. Sitting there telling a judge and 12 jur- jurors like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. But it's okay, like because it's, it's not very combative. Um, I should note that I gave evidence by a video link. So I was in a different building around the corner, um, giving evidence with one of my best friends sitting in the room as a support person. Um that's a regret of mine. I I I initially said to the solicitor from the Office of Public Prosecution, i want to go into court and face him. And I was basically told, look, like, it was worse the effect of, look, like, you're supposed to be scared of him. Like, if you go and sit in there in a courtroom, it might confuse the jury. Um, I have been told by lawyers since that actually um, sitting in front of the jury is actually really important um, because juries are used to seeing bad stuff all the time on tv but when somebody is sitting in front of you telling you that's something awful that's happened to them they relate and, and, mm. and they can read your body language so it's a regret plan we'll never know if it would have changed the outcome um but it's a regret because I would have done it and that's what I wanted but I, I sort of gave up what I wanted for like in the hopes that it would better yeah my chances.
0: yeah pretty much
2: like I wanted to sit in court the whole time too but they said you can't um, because you're supposed to be scared of him which just that narrative bothers me because this guy's a coward like he's an opportunistic coward he's not going to attack me in a courtroom like, yeah mm. but yeah it's sort of just society's like understanding or perception of what a, a rape victim should do so <laughs> i gave evidence by remote video link finished my evidence in chief um and then a cross-examination started Um, and it was clearly on a little bit more than it was the last time. Um, this woman is incredibly good at her job. She, uh, four weeks after the trial, got appointed to being a judge and she's one of the youngest female judges in Victoria. So she's a very, very good lawyer and a lot of like respect to her being a woman in that much power, but you know. I mean, (laughs) I would think there's better
1: things you could do with that power than what she's doing, but also... The only like I'm sure someone said this before, but at least you cost him a lot of money. Yeah. If yeah. nothing else, yeah. if you, yeah. it was oh. fucking expensive yeah. for him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, exactly, it, it, exactly, it was, and I was questioning him for two days, so it was, it was brutal. Um, and I think I honestly believe because in my answers that I gave to this um this lawyer, I wouldn't let her leave me. Into to a corner and answer a question the way she wanted. I always elaborated when she asked a question and, and like, I felt like I was answering the questions really well. I was actually quite proud of it. Um, there were times when uh, like the, she was constantly trying to poke holes in my memory saying that what I remembered was too convenient um, and that I couldn't remember anything that she was putting to me. Um, and I was able to say stuff like, well, no, because my memory is of like, on a drunk night out you often remember the the big things like the weird things the funny things the embarrassing things that you've done and I said that whole night out was a typical night out for me dancing with friends getting an uber home like that's all something I've always done having someone phone me to my front door saying they're home with me break into my house while I'm having a shower is not an ordinary night out and that is why I believe that I remember what I remember so I I I think I was frustrating her a little bit because she couldn't just say this is too convenient without sort of getting me back chatting her essentially. Um Good and audience. it got to yeah, it, it got to the end. Um we broke we went on a break for lunch. I, I was starting to get quite emotional, um, because it's, it's gross it's Oh of course. Emotional. Don't do no need to justify it at no, all. Definitely not. Obviously I was emotional. We went for lunch, we came back for lunch and I honestly believe, and this is my belief, I don't know, like we'll never know what her intention was, but I really do believe that she was like, I'm going to have to break her down here because I can't have her answering these questions so well. And that's what she did. She rapid-fired questions at me. And as a law student who studied evidence law at the same time that I was doing a court case, which was a mistake, but nevertheless, that's what I did, um, I knew exactly what she was doing. She was saying, I put to you this, and that is, um, I'll give a really brief overview, that is a rule that came from a case in the 1800s where it basically says if you're going to bring in a witness that's going to say something contrary to the first witness, you must put the um, the like, contents of what the subsequent witness is going to say to the extent that it's different to what the first witness says I hope mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. but basically she started saying that and it became really clear that we're going to get up on the stand and say exactly what she's saying to me and it was stuff like she said I put it to you that you said I am so horny like, which is just yeah and, but like it, it, there was so many I can't remember all of it but it probably went on for five or ten minutes so I put it to you this I put it to you this and because of what I knew about the law I knew it was a very like, quick realisation that gonna get up on the stand and he's gonna say this happened. Sorry, I said his name. It was very quick uh, realization. We can be. <laughs> you get up on the stand and say this is what happened. Um and I've never heard his version of events um uh, doing the quote months. <laughs> um and that was the first time I've heard it when I've been cross-examined and it was awful. It was horrific. Like what he saying mm-hmm. was disgusting and I knew it wasn't true but I couldn't say because I, I didn't remember but like I just know like I just knew it wasn't true yeah. um so I was crying right to the point that I couldn't breathe and I was choking like it was horrific mm-hmm. and then she said that all that stuff she put a whole bunch of stuff to me I was incredibly upset and then she started asking different questions um and she said I put it to you that um in." that phone call that you made to this guy you didn't say you raped you because you knew he didn't rape you um and like you've known all along that he didn't rape you and I couldn't breathe, so I couldn't ask the question and I just was like shaking my head saying no um but there's a lot of things where like I, I had an explanation that made sense but I couldn't say it yeah. because she she broken me down pretty much and I honestly like it took me a while to work it out but I honestly think that that was her intention because I mean, like, everyone knows why I, I think, like, why I didn't say you raped me on a phone call because if I said that, I wouldn't have gotten anything out of this guy. But yeah, like he just, I just never got the chance to explain yeah. myself. There's a couple of other things she said that I couldn't explain my way out of anymore because I couldn't. Speak That's just properly.
1: cruel. That is just
2: yeah. cruel and, and that- wrong and horrible. Yeah, and, I mean, she's only doing what her client told her to do at the end of the day, um, and she didn't have to do it like that. Um, but that was, that was the strategy. So, yeah, it was brutal. It
1: was actually thing, brutal. As you yeah. said, yes, she's only doing what her client told her to do. I mean, I'm not going to go down the moral compass of how I feel about pe- that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because that's a whole nother topic, but... Just talking about the fact that you know your case, and this isn't me trying to minimize, it's me saying that this mm-hmm. is not the only time this has happened. This happens mm-hmm. probably almost every time yeah. someone um can afford good counsel that this is mm-hmm. what they do. and mm-hmm. just how is that fair that you don't you're so distressed that you're not able to get your story out or have proper
2: responses like that's yes. just so. And I, and I think what a lot of people wouldn't understand as well, as somebody who can't remember a lot of what happened, having people try and fill in your memories with stuff that's not true, like that was a real like mind fuck. Like trying to, and like I'm not, like you like, I know that didn't happen. I know that didn't happen. But like, it's like having, I don't know, it was just them trying to say that I behaved completely differently to the type of person I am. Um, yeah. which isn't true, like, like, I can't, like, I couldn't stand there, but, like, that's not true, I'd never do that. Um, And they took that power away from me, like, the power to, like, express myself. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. But, yeah, and that was like, completely re-traumatising.
1: And, yeah, um, even within yeah. yourself, those, like, you know, no matter how crystal clear <laughs> an assault is to someone, having someone try and poke the bits you don't remember and fill in gaps, like obviously incorrectly but like try and fill in those Mm -hmm. gaps like just within yourself not within the case it like it would fill you with so much doubt and you know like am I missing something even though you know you're
2: not yeah but and it's funny as well because um because I was kept out of the um, courtroom and kept out of the loop for the week the trial went on afterwards um I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that I could have ever spoken to my lawyers anyway and made a difference, but there was stuff that uh, was blatantly untrue that I could have sort of um, made known <laughs> to the court. And I found out afterwards, okay, I've told you guys. Um, I found out last week that this guy had told people um, and gave evidence to say that he... And I sat on a bench outside my bedroom door that night and kissed. Um, and the thing is, there's no bench or anywhere to sit anywhere outside of my house. And to me, it's a really clear thing to say. We sat down and kissed outside Holly's bedroom door, um, but there's nowhere to sit there's no bench yeah Yeah. there's no bench there's no chair there's there's absolutely nowhere to sit at the front of my house and to me like if that had been articulated properly it would have shown that his memory was if not at the very least flawed fabricated yeah um it would have been like
1: a point that you could actually hit back at like concrete hit back at, and be like well there's no bench so he's lost. yeah yeah
2: He's I, telling he's telling us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing as well. Um, Because there were photos of the front of my house, in, uh, evidence in the trial, Um, the defence actually never asked me any questions about whether or not we kissed at the front of my house. And they sort of, they, they completely danced around that sort of, sort of whole part. So mm-hmm. I actually think that they might have worked it out. Um that there was, there was an inconsistency there and didn't want it highlighted. Um, yeah. And yeah, it wasn't highlighted. So that <laughs> I mean, it's a small detail. It probably wouldn't
1: have changed anything, but it's no, just totally No, no, 100%, like you feel like, yeah. oh, that's something I could have maybe gained a bit more ground on or no, mm-hmm. that's so, yeah. and like, especially because, you know, it is still so recent. You Of course, you're in that stage of going Definitely. back, looking over, like, what if this was a little bit different? What if this was... And in the end of the day, like, you know, you unfortunately it wasn't. And that's not me discrediting, I just trying to say, like, there's so, like,
0: I think when it comes to feeling, you do go through a stage where you, yeah, that's what I think I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: And I feel like, you know,
0: but in the end of the day, can't
1: unfortunately gonna
0: put you if you continue with the what ifs like forever and ever you're just gonna Mm. continue being a dark place but obviously yeah
2: but it it was funny though because i was actually able to put quite a positive spin on it and i saw that and to me like (laughs) i read that and i went out into the kitchen and i was like to mum and my sister i was like he's a fucking liar like i knew he's a liar like it was actually quite validating because like if he's to me if he's made that up or or his memory so poor that he's like saying that then like everything else he said. Like if you know, like I was like, I've like, told everyone all along that he's capable of this and now I can prove it. But, like I can prove that it's not true, the stuff that he was saying.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was actually
2: quite like not that it like it wasn't proving to anyone else, it's almost just to myself. I was like, yes, like I knew it. Like,
1: no, I get that. It yeah. Was, yeah you know it was I mean? something concrete. Yeah. It's like the message. You can concrete yeah. look at it and go he is doing the wrong thing. I'm not missing any pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And like, yeah. cause I think, you know, especially as someone, you know, like ourselves, which we're not na- like, I say ourselves, like everyone here where mm-hmm. in terms of, and most people, you're, you're naturally a good person. You naturally choose not to lie or do bad things. So, you know, in your, you know, good person brain, you go, but uh, like your way of justifying how he's acting Feels like well maybe I am missing something because how would anyone ever act yeah. like this? But the yeah. thing is he isn't a good person like and so I get what you mean like that validates thing yeah. like because I feel like you can never get it when you're you know I'm say a good person a normal person you know not an yeah. assaulter yeah. you know yeah that's actually such a good point that's so true it's it's
2: the the inability for me to believe that somebody is capable of yeah that kind of behaviour so consistently because you think that most people aren't but there you go like yeah that perfectly sums it up pretty
1: much yeah especially because you. well yeah Yeah. like from your like vision of the world and most people's vision of the world that's not how you behave or could ever justify behaving so of Mm. course yeah that may yeah like that I feel like that makes you know a lot of sense that something like that being able to see like concrete look there's a lie I can fully catch him in Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no that definitely makes sense and like, I feel like we definitely did discuss kind of the parts that shocked you the most, which sounds like, you know, the character witnesses and the mm-hmm. um, rapid fire questions. Was there anything else within the trial? What about, like, was it? Because I know, you know, you hear sometimes with judges whether, like, the comments they make, you know, sometimes you like talk, because, you know, um, if we're talking in Australia, we, um, you're the judge in your trial. Is meant to be partial, um, and is yeah. only meant to assist on the law, but that's
2: often not the case. Yeah, mm, I loved my judge. I thought yeah. she was she was incredible. She's quite new to the job, <laughs> the judge job. Um, <laughs> <very good. laughs> um, I really liked her. Um, I had my dad and friend sitting in the courtroom when she was giving her directions to the jury, and she really, really clearly and firmly directed them. There's a bunch of directions like um, com- complainants don't tell people the same thing every time they tell it. There's no typical behaviour for a complainant. And the last thing that she said to the jury, which was contested by defence, his lawyers didn't want this to be the last thing that the judge said to the jury, but the judge said, no, it's important and I, I need to make sure that they see clear in their minds. Um, she directed them and said, if you believe that the text message is an admission, you must find them guilty um, and I thought that was a pretty powerful and bold thing for a judge to do and I was mm, really yeah. So, and I feel like yeah.
1: you know when we're talking about things like the bench and stuff I feel like hopefully you can see that last point that your judge made as a very validating thing to go this you know the judge who's like I'm trying to think of a way to say it, other than me like is a big deal, is a celebrity, but like no, you know what I mean? Like is high in yeah. the law. <laughs> is a celebrity yeah. in the yeah. law? Is <laughs> like a law celebrity. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a way to explain the importance <laughs> as a law student. <laughs> I'm so yeah,
2: well, they're yeah, there like the independent impartial.
1: Yeah, is yeah, okay. so clearly <laughs> able see. And that's yeah. I mean, that's really fantastic that She was able to give that direction. Um, was there anything from
2: the trial that else that you'd like to mention or go through? Yeah, I think I think really interestingly, um, and what became really clear to me, the one of the many problems with the system is the fact that it's sort of tailored for society's perfect um expectation of a victim. In that, um, I had very little involvement, and I know, like, obviously, I can't have a lot of involvement, but I had very little mm. knowledge of what was going on. I had very little control. I wasn't consulted much about anything. Um and uh, like I was gave evidence remotely, I wasn't allowed I sit in the courtroom. I think um the system is there and it's trying to protect people, but it's it fails to understand that there are some victims that actually want to be involved and want to know what's going on, like want to um sit in court and face the guy or sit in court and not face the guy but face the jury, like it's, it was just so tailored for the scared, sad, um, damaged, broken person that I'm not. So I found, I found that. Very I mean, much
1: that victim rather than survivor Yeah. Kind yeah of mentality. mentality. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. That's really interesting uh, yeah. perspective to come from. Like, I, yeah, that's just something I haven't thought about
2: yeah i feel and like we're right.
1: so focused on yeah how to protect it the, yeah and how to yeah. protect the victim in yeah. The,
2: yeah and that's the thing it's it's almost yeah it's too protective and it's too one size fits all um there's a lot of people that aren't like what they're they're not like that they're, they they like me and they want to be a part of it and like yeah like accept the outcome more like that i'd be sorry <laughs> i'd be able to accept the outcome more i think if i sat there and i saw the whole process like. I have accepted the outcome, I understand completely why we've gotten to where we are, but it just, I think allowing more active participation is a good way to go, a good Mm -hmm. option for people to have.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I understand that. It's like the whole wanting to have some sort of say and control over an outcome that happened to you. Like it's such a normal thing for someone like you to want to feel and the fact that the system doesn't allow you to have that is just...
2: Yeah, well, briefings. I mean, we've seen, we've seen similar, like, recently as well with the um, Nina, Nina Fennell and Grace Templer speak campaign. Those laws that were in place, um, I know, in Tasmania and Victoria, I'm sure, throughout Australia, um, the laws that said that it was illegal for someone to identify the victim of child sexual assault or sexual assault, um, even if that person, that the victim themselves wants to identify themselves, it was illegal, and that that was not intentional. That was not an intentional operation of the law. It was mm-hmm. just the law trying to protect people and it went too far to actually silencing victims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying they won't, I don't think there was malice in that, I actually think they were trying to protect people. They they're, they're mm-hmm. yeah. it's gone too far. Um and obviously we've had seen reform there and that's great and that's why I'm speaking to you mm-hmm. guys because it's not legal. But um yeah <laughs> No, yeah, and I mean example. I feel
1: like um <clears throat> another kind of point, like so was this in the district or supreme court?
2: So it's county court. Um so it's like the I think it's like your district. Okay, yeah. So magistrate so, county supreme. So it's the middle one. Yeah, it's a district. Yeah. I, I honestly I just think the expectation of a jury way too high, you're asking 12 normal people mm. to forget everything they've ever learned and yeah. grown up, like in the problem- problematic society they've grown up in, where women are property, whatever you want to say, like, mm. the patriarchy. Patriarchy. Um, like grown up here, you, you're asking them to forget that. You're asking them to consider only the evidence at court, but not to consider whether or not he deserves to go to prison. It's, it's literally do you think he did it, yes or no? yeah um and leave all of that out like leave out the fact that like they know that like if they find somebody guilty it's very likely they're going to be going to jail and it's not their role to decide whether or not this person deserves that or not but can you honestly right? tell me that they're not going to think does this person deserve it is it serious enough for him um he's a he's a young privileged white man yeah. with his whole life ahead of him do we really need to like ruin his future because of this. Like maybe maybe that's not what they said at all, but there were people in that room that believed me because the jury came out at the end of the first day of deliberations and said we cannot agree. Um, and the judge had to go and give them a perseverance vote. So there were people in that room that believed that he did what what the prosecution said he did. Yeah. Um despite despite all of that um and i just think it's a massive massive ask to ask them to put their emotions
0: aside and think only on the
1: facts um, yeah definitely 100% yeah. Like everything you do and view whether yeah. it's subconscious or not is or is shaped by everything else around you and in your life and i think like you highlighting the fact that they're only there realistically they're there to decide you like you said, yes or no. But mm. so many jurors, even with that knowledge, get caught up in well, thinking about the punishment he'll receive when that's not their job. Yeah. That's the judge's <laughs> job to decide what the correct answer is for that question. But yeah, they conflate the two of them. And
0: this is yeah. how we end up in these situations. Well, if I was for the jury, I'm obviously gonna bring my own mindset into it. That's what I mean. This yeah. literally Yeah.
2: I can't. Yeah, and that's that's the thing as well. Like, I can't sit here and say too bad that, that, honestly, if I saw somebody's family sitting in front of me sobbing for a week, that that wouldn't influence the way that I decided or the amount of empathy that I felt for a person who was accused of a crime Mm -hmm. because that's not true. I'm a very empathetic person and I would.
1: Now, did you want to talk a little bit about, was there any other kind of talking about society or... The jury or in terms of the legal system what like kind of reforms what like what changes do you really believe in or anything like that take it away
2: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um yeah i mean i've got a lot of thoughts and it, it the tricky thing with um uh, attacking a system especially the legal system which has been the way it's been for a very long time um is that there's no perfect argument and there's 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 going to be drawbacks with any sort of change that you make. Um, importantly, that we've seen throughout Australia, um, the the affirmative consent laws come into play, which are a great step in the right direction, but they're way too small of a step because in my case, it wouldn't have made a difference because it just wouldn't have made any difference at all because he was arguing that there was affirmative consent. Um, I think what should be done and should be looked at is the, Maybe I believe that jury shouldn't be on sexual assault um, trials. I think that it's again too much of an ask to ask them to um, act independently of their of the values that they've had their whole life and to see the whole picture. And I just think that the the real problem with the outcomes is the fact that there's zero accountability for the way that the decision was made by a jury. And we never will know. We we will never know how they got there. Um, And I think that, yes, like, judges don't get it right all the time. The judges have to write a full judgment and a full explanation of reasoning for how they got to their decision. So they'd they'd look at a piece of evidence and go, I don't accept this is true. I accept this is true. Therefore, this is how I got to the decision. That would... Provide opportunities for appeal. So, if we believe that a judge is acting with bias and like just in not the best way, you can appeal it. Like, the the problem is that there's zero accountability. Yeah, the door's
1: closed. You don't know what the discussion is. And even if, like, because again, I'm just kind of, you know, talking, you know, talking out about like ideas and things. I feel like the other thing is like, what if not necessarily judge, but some some people were in the room, got help not helping necessarily guide the discussion, but when the discussion you know you hear stories about what juries talk about yeah. that have nothing to do with the law or the facts or mm-hmm. it's about feelings, mm. helping to guide juries away from that, help to take a little bit of that responsibility and off their shoulders because they have someone helping them you know yeah. what I mean like there's yeah. so many different ways you know and then like my other thing is like if that's you know we'll probably never see that change in our lifetime I, mm. I, I don't think so necessarily but like even I feel like you know and you I'm sure you agree that like yes we got so much focus on the change in the legal system but what about people in society, you know? Yeah, and that's
2: the thing and that's that honestly like that feels too big and scary <laughs> to tackle. Because it's yeah. really difficult. Like and I think that's the thing is that like society needs to view more conviction on cases like this to have a shift in attitudes. Because what, what this outcome done for the people that have problematic views is affirm their problematic views. Um, so there actually needs to be more conviction on rape and sexual assault for mm-hmm. it to become more unacceptable to happen the way that we see the majority of it happen by somebody that you know when there's alcohol the involved, Um And denouncing that publicly is really important to shift society's attitudes. Um, and, yeah, I just think...
1: No, that's that would, such a great yeah. point. That's such a great point, like, honestly, not even a, really a perspective that I've thought about necessarily in that like in that context that yeah 100% it's like I don't know I'm trying to think of an analogy to kind of conflate it down but I guess it's you are like you see someone you know like the drink driving laws for example how strict they've become
0: yeah
1: which has changed the attitude of Australians you know like yeah. that's just a smaller yeah. example of it like yeah 100% that's like I feel like that's such a great point, yeah.
2: Yeah, and if it's, a, if it's not bringing in judges alone, which I think is the easiest and quickest way to make meaningful change, um, also on having a judge alone that's, that produces a judgment and reasons for the decision, that actually um gives people an idea. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of what an outcome will be because you can see measured steps to how they've gotten to an outcome. This yeah. criteria was met. This criteria was met. So he's guilty or he's not guilty. We can. We can. It's predictable. The problem with stuff like this is you put five juries on the same case and you get five different decisions. Um, there's no predictability. And as somebody who might be thinking about pressing charges, being able to see the possibility of you getting the outcome you want, like mate, that, would be helpful too. That it's just way too ambiguous. Yeah,
1: and I feel like we, you know, obviously we encourage people to come forward but, you know, other than if we're going to not even just look at terms of the police process and the stories you hear there but definitely like the stories, you know, you see how little actually come in a conviction. Of course that's going to turn people away which is only going to reduce conviction rates and it's just a mm-hmm. flow-on effect. And I also, yeah. you know, as going back to your other point is talking about with the judge alone and the explanation and like talking about the criteria that needs to be met i think that's so such a good point as well cuz like judges what spend at least 5 years at law school they're a solicitor then they're a barrister and then you know a few a select few of those end up being able to be a judge and that's the amount of learning and education they have on the legal system mm-hmm. um you know in summary offences and common law offences um, or sorry, yeah, common law or like civil offences, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, that the, you know, you can spend like going through a judgment, um, You they have, like you said, their legal reasoning, their explanation, they know the law inside. And now, you know, a jury doesn't, they may get an explanation of this is, you know, it's got to be beyond reasonable down that, but realistically it's, like you said, like earlier as well, like how can they not bring their thoughts and feelings? And you know, then ne- you can't expect them to understand the law or the responsibility compared to a judge when they've, you know, the training. And like it's like, it's like we keep going back to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: it's such a ginormous ask when you really break it down. We all just talk about jury duty, but realistically, it's such a massive
2: ask. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder this is happening. Thing- yeah. And I think that's the thing that if we, if, You had asked the jury to explain how they got to their decision in this case um, and how they applied the law and what they heard in court to, and that alone, I don't know if they would have gotten to the decision they got to had they been held held accountable for their decision. We'll never know. That's my opinion. I, I don't think that they would have been able to justify how they met how they found that the belief in consent was reasonable given the surrounding circumstances. Yeah. But we'll never know. Like we'll never know, but that's my belief that because there was no accountability, I did discuss with the solicitor on my page my thoughts about it. And she said, well, Holly, you're not the first person that said that. So obviously there's there's some people that see the merit in it, perhaps bringing in um an offence that's lesser than rape. Um, which is like Something along the lines of rape by a person known to the victim, or something like that, because that would combat the the people in society that think that rape is like a someone in a, a stranger in a dark alleyway. And if you bring in a more specific offence that addresses situations where there's like alcohol involved, someone you know, like perhaps that that would get more um more of it across the line because it's a it's a new crime, not something that society thinks that they understand what it is. But then again, immediately what comes up for me is call it fade stage like that, that
1: like call it what it is. Yeah, I like, I like, I hundred percent see the point of like where you're coming from. But my other concern is like, will that also in some ways play more into, um, mm. the victim blaming complex? Going well, you say if we have one that's to do with the victim being drunk or people being drunk at the time, that you know that would be a lesser offense. Say, mm. then does that go? Play into that idea of well you were drinking so you know yeah. or yeah. and I I think it's so like I loved chatting about all these ideas because I feel like it's like it's how else are we going to come to a solution without like yeah throwing things back I mean, and throw yeah, shit exactly at a wall that. sometimes yeah exactly and that's big, that there, there's um there's
2: no perfect answer but I think that we just need to really quickly accept that there's not going to be a perfect solution but any sort of step forward is better than what we've got right now. Mm. Um, so just anything that, that that people are prepared to do to tackle this is good.
1: So I, that, I feel like that's fun. such a great point though as well because I feel like we're all so busy, you know, even in this conversation um, with me being a little bit of devil's advocate, which I hate when people are like. No, but it, it's important. Yeah, yeah, but like even with me being sitting here, being a little bit of a devil's advocate, um, I feel like it's so important to f- realize that no solution is going to be perfect. But we, like you said, we need to start making those cha- some kind of change to get closer to something better, yeah. because then that change can go to
2: something else. You know, I feel like when I say to anyone that's listening to this that's sort of like a victim or a survivor of sexual assault, that like, I think, um, when I had the realisation of what had happened to me, there was complete denial, um, or failure to accept what happened because I didn't want to accept that I was going to not be okay. Like you see all these, um, people on TV, or you hear about these people that are never the same. Mm. Um, and yes, I'm not the same as what I was, but I honestly think I'm a better person because of what happened to me. And like, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but it's also taught me so much. And you, I mean, simple things like you get rid of the weeds in your life, which is not necessarily a positive experience, but not only that, like the, the way that I'm able to approach people when they come to me with any sort of problem, like people in my life that I love. And it's, I just have more empathy and more understanding of people's emotions than I ever had before. Um, and that's a real gift to be able to help people in my life because of something so awful that happened to me. I just want to make it like so clear that, like yes, something horrific happened to me four years ago, but my life is so full and I'm genuinely a really happy person. And I just want people to know that like, it's something that I deal with every day, but I'm genuinely okay and I'm really happy. And I think that like that's just what I wanted to hear when this happened to me I wanted to hear that like it's not you're not going to be broken because of this it won't break you it'll um it'll be with you forever but it'll make you stronger and better because more often than not that's what I've seen in people that have come to me that have um said that they they're a victim of, of something awful as well like we're all okay like we're all something awful happened but we're all okay and we're all thriving like it's, it's it won't break you like it just won't and I think that's really important um and something I really wish that I'd heard I had a really really beautiful moment with myself a couple of weeks ago like I think I I finished exams like I crazily I did me at the same time that I went through this trial that's crazy I, I can't I, believe you did that yeah I know it's insane but, like, I, I finished exams and I, I was lying in my bed and I'm literally, like, I was, like, fuck, I'm so proud of myself. And I'm getting emotional for the first time this whole chat, But I was, like, I'm just, like, so proud of what I've been able to overcome. Mm-hmm. And everybody who's been a victim of something like this will have that moment, I promise you, and I never thought that I would because I'm, I'm my, well, my own biggest critic and I shoot myself down all the time but I had that moment where I'm like I don't care about the outcome I'm proud of myself um and yeah it's, I promise everyone else will
1: get that too if you feel <laughs> up to it I kind of wanted to ask you know what's next for you um oh, yeah
2: yeah it's a, I mean it's a good question I
0: mean
2: I've got folks I've got out of this and I think um like the reason I'm making a lot of noise and trying to make a lot of noise is because I want better for other people that go through this and um I don't want this situation to disempower other victims when they look at it and go well what's the point why would I I do it I think like I want to use my voice to create change and that's what I'm trying to do and I hope that um, in some way I'm able to do that, whether it's big or small, and I've sort of come to peace with the fact that even if it's just me speaking to people like you or um, posting stuff that I post on Instagram, just showing people that like, you can use your voice and there's nothing wrong with, with speaking up, um, even if it's as small as that, that I'm happy.
1: Disgraceful the podcast is hosted by Sarah and Georgie, woo woo. produced and edited,
0: edited by
1: Isaac James and the podcast assistant is David Moore. If you want to hear more from Disgraceful the podcast, follow us and give us five stars wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the
0: Disgraceful Podcast. podcast. Remember guys, stay disgraceful.